Okay, we are here. We are ready to go. Wonderful time of day right now. You know the best time of day is? Whenever you're listening to God's Word. That's right. That's the best time. Today we're going to see a very important question. Oh, what do you think is the most important question to be answered? I think I have the question today. This is it. And this is one everybody has to answer. And before I get into that, I want to let you know about a a new outreach we began this week. Uh, We're on Instagram now. And uh, Monday through Friday, five days a week, I do a uh, short devotional. We're going through the Psalms, a Psalm a day, on Instagram. If you have an account, that's beautiful. If not, sign up. Join me. I go live 6 o'clock every morning, but you can probably watch it later. And um, it's Daytharian or Therian 6034, because there's a few Daytharians on there, believe it or not. <laughs> Hope they're not like me. But uh, Therian 6034, join me in the morning or the afternoon, whenever it works for you. Daily devotional, we're going through the Psalms. Great way to start the day. Okay, now we know that Jesus, he said many things to many people. He spoke to crowds. He spoke to religious leaders. He spoke to the sick. He spoke to sinners. Sometimes he took his disciples aside and he told them more personal things. I want to spend some time talking about some of the things that Jesus said to his disciples. Because they're important. They're important to them and therefore they were important. They are important to us as well. Okay, now, what's a disciple? A disciple, basically, especially back in those days, but I think it applies today, is one who follows in order to learn to be like his teacher. That's a disciple. In the ancient days, the students would follow their teachers, and the hope would be that they would learn to emulate them, to be like them. And Jesus' disciples were like that, and hopefully if you're a disciple of Christ, your goal is to emulate Christ in your life as well. So Jesus is going to quiz his disciples, okay? He wants to make sure that they know who they're following. And isn't that true for us as well? Isn't it true that we should know the Jesus Christ that we follow and why we follow him? That's why when I did a series on Bible basics, we'll get to know who it is we're following. The work of Christ, the person of Christ, the character of Christ, the mission of Christ, the attributes of Christ. Bible basics. Do you know the Christ that you're following? So we pick up the scene in Matthew sixteen thirteen. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, he gave them a two-part question. What was the opinion of others about him? And then he said, because he said, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And it's interesting that Jesus asked his disciples this question because he knew 
they were more conversant with the people, and he would hear rumblings from the people, what they thought about Jesus, right? If anybody had something to say about Jesus, they would usually go to the disciples. Maybe they had a gripe. Maybe they had a question. Many times in the Gospels, they would go to the disciples, and the disciple would go to Jesus. So people would speak to his followers. I think it's like that today, too. People rarely go to the pastor, but they go to those around him. Let me tell you, it's okay to go to the pastor. Okay? So, as Jesus' ministry was drawing to a close, he wanted to be sure people understood who he was and what he came to do. And could he trust the disciples to carry on his work if they were mistaken about him? That's why the question. Now, this happened in Caesarea Philippi, which was 25 miles north of Galilee, and it was a non-Jewish community. And Jesus chose to ask this question in a land laden with idols and temples of Baal worship. One man called it the shadow of the ancient gods. There's a particular white marble temple that stands and it dominates the landscape. And you can't help but look at it. It's so big. And it's if Jesus deliberately set himself against the background of the world's religions and all their splendor. So many choices, so many ways. Each must choose his own. He even demands to be compared with them and to have the verdict go in his favor. So that's why he asked, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now, they had a belief that the soul of a prophet could be born into another man. So now Jesus makes it personal. Second question, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Oh, that's the most important question. Who do you say that Jesus is? You, part of a small group, a little flock, surrounded by a multitude of idols and little gods. You, outnumbered by people who have chosen a different way. Who do you say that I am? You know, Sometimes it's hard to be in the minority. The minority feels a lot of peer pressure. And some people cave into that pressure. And Jesus has to make sure his disciples, they can stand strong. So who do you guys say that I am? You think there was a moment of hushed silence? Kind of like looking at each other? Who's going to answer first? Maybe afraid to give the wrong answer? But then Peter breaks the silence, and Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter says, You're higher than anyone who has come before you. You're greater than all these idols and these little gods and what we see here. See, the second question was more important. The first one had to do with what people thought, but the second one has to do with individual thought. It has to be personal, because secondhand faith 
does not save. It must be personal. The wife can't believe for her husband. The husband can't believe for his wife. You can't believe for your children. Your children can't believe for you. This is something everybody must do on their own. It's personal. Remember, Jesus asked his 12 followers if they knew who he was. I wonder if all so-called followers of Christ really know who he is. Like I said, how many attributes do you know about Jesus? Love, joy, mercy, justice. How about his motives? Why did he do what he did? Why did he perform miracles? How about his eternal plan for mankind? Why did he subject himself to the Romans and to that cross? Why? So Jesus responded, after Peter volunteered an answer, Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah. That means Simon, son of John. Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father, who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. What's Hades? Hades is the underworld. It's death. And it means that even death will be conquered by Christ. That's one of the things he got the victory over. He got the victory over death, the victory over sin, the victory over the devil, the victory over the power of sin. Now, Andrew was Peter's brother. And he's the one who brought Peter to Jesus in John chapter 1. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him. You know what Jesus said to Peter the first time he met him? You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. It's like, this is prophetic. We have the fulfillment of that promise. When Peter answered the question that Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? It's amazing what Jesus knows ahead of time before it happens. (laughs) <laughs> including Peter's denial. He knew that too. He knew Peter would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Peter's like, no way, man, I'll never do that. Jesus is like, okay, we'll see. So he said to him in verse 18, I also say to you that you are Peter. I'm reminding you, Peter, remember? I called you Peter. And upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, the word Peter, here's where some people get a little, I don't know, confused. Peter is Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S. And it means a piece of rock. Like a little rock. Like a rock that was chipped off of a rock. Okay? But then there's another word called Petra, P-E-T-R-A. And that's a massive rock. Okay? So Peter is saying, I say to you that you are Petros... You are a little, excuse me, you are a little rock, and upon this massive rock, I will build my church. What's the massive rock? The massive rock is not Peter. It's Peter's answer that Christ is the Son of God. So now Peter would be part of something bigger than himself. He's the little chip off the rock, but he's part of the big rock. And that's what the Lord wants him to see. And that's how we should see the church. 
as something bigger than ourselves. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. And we have to see ourselves as each individual member. We are a part of God's church. It's something bigger than ourselves. Paul said, the Apostle Paul, he said that we are each an individual brick in a building. He likens the church to a building. But every brick is important. What happens if you take one out or if you leave one out? You got a hole in the building. Every brick in the building is important. Every person in the body of Christ is important. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to those in the limelight to think you have nothing to offer. Or don't compare yourself to those who do big things, thinking that you can do no thing. Everybody's calling is different. And whether it's large and visible or small and secretive, we are rewarded on the basis of our faithfulness. We're not rewarded on how much we accomplished, but how faithful we were in what it was that God gave us to accomplish. So the person that has the small, insignificant role can still have a greater reward than the person with a larger role if that person with a larger role was not faithful in their calling. So don't compare yourself to the famous, to the noble, to the important, because every brick in the building is important. In every place we take ourselves out of, there's a hole in the building. <clears throat> Jesus said the church is stronger than Satan. It's stronger than death, stronger than Satan. And the, by the way, the word church is the word ekklesia. The word ek means out of. Klesia means to call, kaleo. It means called out ones, an assembly. It's not a spiritual word. It's a word that was often used when people were called out of where they were for a particular reason. Let's say the, the king wanted to make an announcement. So he'd send the herald to the city gates. And the people would be called out from their farms to hear the announcement. That's ecclesia. It's an assembly. Or let's say when all the governing officials would be gathered together to discuss and to vote. That's ecclesia. They're called out. It's an assembly. So anytime there's an assembly of people, it's an ecclesia, which is a church. So we, as followers of Christ, we're called out of the world. We assemble together for the purpose of Christ. That's the church. And that's why the church is worldwide. It's not a building. It's not one location. It's worldwide. But we're called out of the cosmic system into a relationship with God. Okay? So it is through what Peter said about Jesus that people would be called out of the world into Christ. He who believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, will have access into his church, which is the body of Christ, 
That's the church, the body of Christ. And then Jesus added to that in verse 19, and he said to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, Jesus said he's going to give Peter the keys. What is a key? It's that which unlocks and locks, right? Duh, of course. The key unlocks the door, and it locks the door. Peter would be the one to unlock the gospel to the world. This is what that means. See, Jesus made two prophecies concerning Peter. Number one, his name would be changed from Simon to Peter. And number two, he would open the floodgates to the church through the preaching of the gospel. And you know when that happened? It happened in Acts chapter 2. After the coming of the Holy Spirit, remember that? They're all in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit blew into the room like a wind. And it looked like cloven tongues of fire on everybody. And they received the gift of tongues. And they all went down into the city, and they spoke in people's national languages. And Peter preached. Oh, Peter preached up a storm. He went from the denier to the preacher. And you know what happened? 3,000 people got saved in Peter's message. Wow, in Peter's sermon. How about that? 3,000 people. What did he do? He opened up the gospel. He had the key. And through his preaching, he opened it up. 3,000 people entered in. That was the beginning of the church that Jesus said he would build. And then Jesus said, Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, binding and loosing was a Jewish phrase, meaning to allow or to forbid. That's why it's good to understand ancient culture. I mean, like, what were these guys talking about? We can't modernize, in some instances, what was said 2,000 years ago. So, binding and loosing means to either forbid or allow. To bind is to forbid. To loose is to allow. Okay? That's what Jesus is saying to Peter. This has nothing to do with binding the devil or loosing someone from a malady. It has to do with the gospel. Okay? Now, here's what happened. It was nighttime, the day Jesus rose from the dead. And it was night, that Sunday night. And Jesus met the disciples in a house. But the doors were shut, the Bible says, for the fear of the Jews. But boom, Jesus appeared anyway. He didn't care. <laughs> he didn't He didn't knock. He didn't come through a window. He was just there. He appeared to them. And Jesus said to them in John chapter 20, you can check it out for yourself, verse 21. He said, peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he continued, and he said, 
Whosoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven unto them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, wait a minute. We're not talking about giving absolution here. Here's what Jesus is talking about. It is through receiving the gospel of Christ that one's sins are forgiven. And they have the authority to proclaim that. That's what binding and loosing is about. Having the authority to say that if you believe the gospel, you will be forgiven. But if you reject the gospel, your sins will be remained uh, retained. It's that simple. That is it. No hocus pocus. No heebie-jeebies. It is what it is. It, and, and we all have that today. Don't we tell people that today? Listen, if you accept Christ as your Savior, your sins will be forgiven. They'll be washed away. But if you reject him, you're still lost in your sins. And you'll die in your sins. That's binding and loosing. Okay? So, in summary, Jesus had big plans for his disciples. That's why he had to make sure they knew who he was. And even though Peter was the only one that answered, I'm sure the disciples are like shaking their head. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can see him now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. What he said. Yep. You're the son of God. No problem. We don't have a problem with that. Okay. So I want to ask you today, are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ that has the intentions of emulating him in your life, of becoming like him? That's the key. See, we're not followers of Christ so we can win debates and win arguments and show people how intellectual we are. That's not why. We're followers of Christ because we want to reveal Christ to a lost and dying world. And if you are a true disciple of Christ, he has big plans for you. Oh, yes. He wants to use you. Make yourself available to the Lord. Because you also have the power to bind and to loose. Not diseases and not demons, but to pronounce that the gospel is the agent that frees the soul. That to believe that God so loved the world, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That if someone believes that, you have the authority to say, you stand forgiven by God. And if they say, I reject that, I don't need a savior. You have the authority to say, then your sins are retained. You will be bound by your sins. Because that is the truth of the gospel, isn't it? Of course it is. That's why we evangelize. That's why we tell people. We want to set them free. Get them into the church that has conquered death, conquered Satan, conquered the power of sin, given eternal life. The church that Christ is building. And it's worldwide. It's not a denomination. It's not a location. It's the body of Christ of all who believe. All those who name Jesus Christ 
as their Lord and Savior and put all their faith in the fact that He has washed their sins away. And it was a grace gift. Faith and faith alone. Nothing added to it. Not a works program. Not any kind of performance that we can do. It's an accepting of the gift that God has given us. That's why it's such good news. The gospel is good news for the whole world because whosoever believes, whosoever may be saved. No one's left out. Think about it. If someone left out, would that be good news? Not for them. But it's good news for everybody because there's a potential for salvation for all people because Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. Opening the door to saying, whoever wants to walk in through me has access to God. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one's going to get to the Father but through me. And we have the authority to proclaim that and to loose people that accept it and to let them know that their sins are still retained. They're bound if they reject it. That's it. It's that simple. I don't think God can do any more than he's already done for us. It's quite a thing. Listen, don't forget, meet me on Instagram next week. You can go there today. We've got five Psalms that we spoke about this week. Uh, Dave Therian on Instagram or Therian6034 to identify me, because there's a few of them out there. They don't even look like me. Lucky for them. But um, listen. Great way to start the day. We start the day every every morning, 6 o'clock, with the Word of God. So the most important question, who do you say that I am? Jesus asked. There's no question that's more important than that. And maybe that's why the whole club podcast that has this message should be heard by many maybe bring people that again are far from God they don't yet know Jesus as their savior get them to listen they need to make a decision an intelligent decision on who Christ is and we want to give them all the information possible so they make a good decision the right decision So they can have forgiveness and eternal life. That's what we want for everybody. And so does God. He's not willing that any would perish. But we all have a free will. So send them to the Hope Club podcast. The big question. The question that everyone has to answer. Play that for them. Thanks for coming along. I'll see you next time.